All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is everybody. Nobody <laughs> listens to this. No one has ever heard this show. But we're going to try something new. If you have listened to the first two episodes of Bad Startup Advice, just know that the format today is going to be totally different. So if you liked it, too bad. But if you didn't, you're welcome. I don't know why you're still listening, but you are welcome. With me today, I have Eric. Eric and I are butts from, from college. Hey, everybody. What's up? Really excited to be here. And thanks for having me on the show, Paul. Super yeah. excited that you're doing this. Yeah, me too. I think Eric and I may, may end up creating a new format for this show. Eric, I think, correctly noted that this didactic style of like us focusing on a topic and then pretending to be experts on that topic might not be as fun as <laughs> us just being ourselves and talking about things that are top of mind and hopefully interesting to, the, to you guys as well. Yeah, it's a lot more work too, I feel. Yeah, also we're lazy. That's the other, <laughs> that's the other piece of this. <laughs> we're incredibly lazy, and so we're going to try something new. What we're going to do today is we each brought a couple of topics that we'll bring up in, in order and talk about them, but they'll be pretty unstructured. We'll start with, with maybe introductions or don't do the classic VC introduction. Just give like, a, give like an authentic, you're a guy at a bar introduction to yourself. I'm a guy at a bar. First of all, I almost never go to bars. Yeah. <laughs> you're already unrelatable. <laughs> Tell us about how you're just an everyman. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, I'm Eric. I'm Paul's friend. And I've been living in NSS like eight, years now seven eight years and been in the tech scene since we were out of college so it's really cool to be doing this podcast i'm originally from around here i'm from sonoma county an hour north of sf oh that's and, right yeah so i've been here a while and i like the bay area a lot eric yeah eric was so we went to college together we met through swim club is that how we met swimming i think so okay yeah and I remember, I don't know if I've told you this directly, but I remember you were a college acquaintance of mine who was like, just a little bit better than me at everything. I don't <laughs> I remember, know about that. <laughs> that's how it felt. I remember that's how I felt. I remember thinking like, okay, Eric, you, you're, you're a better swimmer than me for sure. So I remember there was this moment, okay, so he's better at swimming than me. Fine. That's not really what I care about though, right? Because I, I, I was really into working and I really wanted to like have a fun job. And, but then Eric became a Google APM, which is like for folks who... I think everyone knows at this point. That was like the coolest job that you could get out of college. <laughs> and then Eric started his company before me and has reached every milestone before me. So I'm being facetious, but there is that element. Where I think for a long time, I, we knew each other as acquaintances and I thought of you as the really cool guy that, that was always doing the things I wanted to do. And now we've become closer friends over time and we hang out well, on, that's good. on weekends. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you want to keep compare, man, I feel like you're better looking than me. Oh, that's true. And you're a little that's taller. True. That's so. what I have to go off of. I'm going to take that one. I'm going to take the yeah, W there. Yeah. You can't teach height. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, but actually, no, this is actually a good topic to maybe even start on. Because uh -huh. I actually, I was thinking about this. I feel like this like idea of comparing a lot is yeah. pretty, at least I feel like I did that a lot when I was young. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's a great way to live your life. Yeah. Yeah. Especially... I think we are a particularly toxic subset of humanity that like that was forced into an environment like Harvard that was extremely competitive. It was hard not to feel that way when everyone around you felt that way. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, I think we probably had a crash land from that worldview. <laughs> <laughs> I also think, okay, I'll share a funny story that I was yeah. just thinking about. Basically, I remember this one day that I was like, I had this day where I was just like, wow, I'm like not as good 
at anyone at anything. It was weird. Whoa, basically, you? I <laughs> <laughs> basically I remember like going to work that day and then just like reading about some competitor who was just like killing it like way better than oh, this, so this is okay. more recent this is like a few years ago yeah i feel like lately my mentality has changed a lot so yeah it's been better yeah but i remember okay just reading out some competitor that's like killing it and i'm like yeah. okay yeah. this guy who started this company he's like younger than me his yeah, company's yeah, yeah, more yeah. successful yeah, yeah, yeah and it's okay but that's fine i'm at least i, I go to something. the gym i'm like yeah. i'm stronger than this guy at least <laughs> yeah and then i remember so going to the gym and then i was lifting it with my other friend and he's just so much stronger than me oh my god yeah <laughs> and i'm like you know what that's fine uh, at least like i'm better at whatever playing super smash bros or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then like he's better I'm at getting, that i'm getting crushed at that too so it's like, i feel yeah. i feel like you have to love yourself for who you are which is like more like the better mentality <laughs> for sure for sure it's, it's it sounds almost cliche but it is a lesson that took many and is taking many so much time it's so i think for me what more recently I, i've been married for almost five years there's I, we both turned 30 i think there's all these things that start to happen and what i what my mind always goes to is that we have 60 more years of life yeah and the thing that's really gonna matter in 30 years from now is that that my back is still good yeah. You know what I mean? That, yeah. And it just doesn't. So these things don't matter. Everybody struggles. You have a kid with autism. You just, yeah. just like life is hard and complex and everyone has difficulties and it's just so much work to try to, you can't compare. It's not apples to apples. Nothing yeah. is, it's everything's so different and difficult and I don't Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you're just, everybody becomes very unique in their own way and you have to discover that for yourself. And I think another part of it for me to unlearn was just like, I think when I was growing up, it was the thing that my parents did was yeah. like, compare oh, me yeah, to other Jimmy, people. Jimmy does this and he's yeah, the president yeah. of the debate club. Yeah. But also when you're younger, there's more things that you could compare on. Oh, you could compare your grades or your SAT scores. Yeah. But then I feel in some sense, as you get older, you become more of an, a unique individual or you have to at least discover that for yourself. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think it's also really easy to do with relationships, for example. I think this is classic. My wife and I talk about this all the time where we'll meet a couple and we're like, oh my God, they're perfect. So they must not have these Friday night fights like we do. <laughs> <laughs> and we and it, it like weighs on us. We're like, oh, why do we keep having these little tiffs over stupid things? Why can't we just be happy? And it's who care? Who knows? Maybe it's true. Maybe they don't have any of those tiffs, but what does that matter? It's like, we just need to, we have 60 more years of life together. Let's figure it out. Let's figure out how to like yeah. make the most of these weird idiosyncrasies, idiosyncrasies that the, the two of us have. Yeah. Yeah. And look at you getting in insecure about it. At least you're married. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying whatever. to where you're yeah. at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny how that works. It's a very empowering to feel that way, to, to not be comparing to anyone. It's yeah. such a wonderful incredible place to, to get to you have to really retrain yourself though yeah to get there. i don't even think i'm there but. of course and you're and periodically i'll slip back into it yeah i'll and i hopefully just over time i do that less often yeah and i'm just a happier better person yeah yeah but that's a good that was a good intro it's funny <laughs> yeah i guess i've this is my first time on the show so other things about me let's see i'm asian i guess you can't really tell that maybe from the podcast or maybe you can let me know if you can <laughs> if if you could read my accent or something so that's a pretty cool part of my identity that yeah. i do think i think about a lot at least really? yeah 
just what it means to be like an Asian guy in the tech scene. And it also just carries over to just the things I like, the things I like to do, the things I like to eat. And you're part of this affinity group, essentially. So is that something, is that appreciation for your background, something that has grown over time or has that always been part of your personality and your things that you care about? I definitely think the awareness of it has grown over time Yeah, for me. Yeah. I can't speak for everybody, but at least for me, I think when I was growing up, it wasn't really something I thought about. And now that I'm older, it's like, yeah. hey, this is something that is part of who I am. And it reflects in my friend, my own values, yeah. and the way I approach things. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's cool. I think it's cool to have that. I yeah. think it's cool to have this other identity that you, it shapes you in a way. Yeah. You Did you go to a school with, were you the only Asian kid or were there a bunch I wouldn't say I was the only Asian kid. There, yeah. there was a few, but it was def- It was in Sonoma County. It was like a pretty, pretty white, pretty yeah. white small town. Our I'm, school, I'm school. white, by the way. I, I know you've all been able, was wondering <laughs> <laughs> the, my race. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so small school with like mostly kind of white vineyard kids or whatever. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It was. It's. It, we were. It was a very working class. Oh, town. Okay, it was good, a public okay. school. Okay, got it. Yeah. And no, but it was. I think it was, it's funny because like when I was growing up there, I never really thought about the fact that I was Asian. And it wasn't until when I was in college that I met other people who were in that kind of similar situation. Yeah. Is it eight? So you use the word Asian. You would it be more accurate to say Asian American or you or really you do really mean like how, yeah. do you feel close to just like people that you know went to college in Shanghai? Oh no no yeah Asian Asian as an Asian American okay for yeah. sure yeah interesting yeah. they should even change it they should call it American Asian <laughs> nice <laughs> but hey I'm not the I'm not the decider on that kind of thing <laughs> yeah what are the and what are the things that what is an example for example like what's something that later in life you've been like you know what I'm going to just like rice cookers, like rice cookers are awesome. <laughs> Sorry for the Being casually racist on your yeah, own podcast. Casually racist. <laughs> I don't know. Are there things that like you've stepped into later in life that you didn't necessarily think you would? You gave me slippers when I came in today. That's Asian, right? Is that? <laughs> I've always been told that's Asian. So I grew up in a household with slippers okay. and I, and that was because my, I was born in Japan and there was this sense of... I didn't know you were born in Japan. Yeah, just randomly. But the, that was like, my parents were like, yeah, we just do some things in the Japanese way. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, anyway, I, maybe I have a... I'm somewhat multicultural. Maybe I have a tiny... Whatever, don't be... Don't bash me just yet. <laughs> okay, but yes, back to the question. So what... Any examples of how that's manifested? I think whether... Any Asian, most Asians, whether you like it or not, you're part of this affinity group. So I feel like there's just this whole subculture of what it means to be Asian, like whether it's on niche Facebook groups or whatever, not even niche, like just subtle Asian traits, that kind of thing, or Mm. TikTok, or now you have all these Asian movie stars and celebrities. And it's just cool to see that representation everywhere and be like, hey, I'm part of this like affinity group. And on some level, everybody's different, but on some level, maybe you could connect in some way. Yep. So I do think it's cool to be part of that and yep. just to see this group build as a block over time. Yeah. Day to day, I guess I don't think about it actively, but I think there's moments where I'm like, hey, it's awesome that I am Asian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I, I've had a similar kind of coming of age arc with, so I'm Russian, whatever. I'm Ukrainian and back then it was all the same. And I've also stepped into that more and more. I used to be like, who cares? Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, yeah. yeah. And now I'm like, yeah, there are certain 
cultural things that just that I do appreciate about that background. It's interesting how that happens. Maybe that happens throughout your life. Maybe this is there's this coming of age thing that happens in your twenties, yeah, early thirties. I don't know. I wonder if do you think you'll just get more and more into being Asian over time? <laughs> it's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've started cooking borscht. More. Actually. Yeah. And I'm like reading all this. I don't know, Soviet block literature these days. And just, yeah, I'm just way more into it than I ever have. If I think if you had pointed to younger Paul and been like, yeah, you're going to get really into this Russian stuff, you would have been like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. Yeah. We got a white guy and an Asian guy doing a tech podcast. Doing a tech so podcast. Yeah. Go. About as NSF. cliche as it gets. <laughs> cool. Shall we dive into our fishbowl? I'm down. Yeah. You go first. All right, I'll go first. There's been this recent wave of, there's been the, whatever, the PR wave. What is it called when there's like a news wave? Anyway, there's been that. I'm going to cut all this out. <laughs> Where Charlie from Javis or whatever that, the woman who started oh, this Oh, yeah, Spotify, Charlie Javis. Yeah, Charlie. Yeah. Okay, her name is Charlie Javis. Her name is Charlie Javis. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so she basically made up, she sold, she had this student loan company and she sold Frank. it. Frank. To J.P. Morgan, Frank, yeah. of course, just a single friendly name. That's a classic. She sold it for like 100, 200 mil, 200 million? 150, I thought, 150? yeah. 150, oh, yeah. okay. To J.P. Morgan, and then, they, and then basically the users weren't real, allegedly. That's freaking wild, though, right? Like, you think? How do you get into that kind of mindset to pull that off? It's a good question. On one hand, I agree that it's wild. Uh-huh. On the other hand, I think it it's to it makes total sense. <laughs> I think until you make a kind of way of thinking. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, so let's go. What do we know? What are the facts here? Maybe before we dive into opinions, what do we actually know? She did. She had generated credentials for these users. Yeah, she had, emails. Like so, she randomly generated some email, or she had asked someone else. To I think she asked. Yeah, she basically hired a data scientist okay. and asked them to create. 10 or 20 million <laughs> fake users. Like a contractor. I think it was like a data scientist from NYU or something like okay. that. We should verify. Yeah, whatever. We're not experts on the news. That's okay. But okay, that makes sense. And yeah, the thing I keep coming back to is how do you sleep at night? Yeah. Do you think you could pull that off? I can't even. So I've had moments in my startup where I, early on, we, we have two ways of calculating revenue and we don't quite know at the last day of the month we don't quite know what our revenue is going to be so we have this range of what we could report and some and i think i remember especially early on i was so obsessed with our monthly growth number that i would just be like man it would look really nice if this number was was whatever 12 percent instead of 10 percent and okay, let me yeah. just be optimistic and it just eats away at you wow and i just feel so and i'll do you know like when moments like when that has happened you spend the next month worrying about how, well, next month, at what point are we going to calibrate with the truth again? Yeah. yeah. And it, and I, so I think I just don't have the stomach for it. I think yeah. I would, yeah, I've, I a long time ago made peace with the fact that I just have to always stick to my principles. If yeah. I'm going to survive, I have to just tell the truth and just be extremely transparent. And that's my, my own weakness as a founder in many ways. <laughs> I don't think that's a weakness at all. I think well, it's hard to do it that way. I would argue that there are times where, like one example of where you shouldn't tell the truth is like when you're raising money, you got to be confident. I think it's good to put your best foot forward. You shouldn't yeah. lay it all out there. It's yeah. like you don't want to go on your first date being the worst version of yourself kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think it's 
I think it's a fine line between being putting your best foot forward, yeah, and being like straight up lying. Yeah, about stuff. There is certainly know? a line between actually hiring someone to generate fake email yeah, accounts, yeah, like actively yeah. creating yeah. lies. Yeah, you have this like string that ties you back to a high integrity version of yourself, and at all times you just want to have that string pretty taut. You want to have make sure that if something happens and you have to explain it, you have a very plot like, yeah, 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 the numbers hadn't fully come in, so we just said this. Yeah, yeah. And I feel, I get extremely anxious when I sense that string getting taut. And I like, I really freak out. How about you? Can you imagine it? You know what's interesting is I feel like I've always been trying to be on the side of, hey, keep it 100% real. Really? Be, always be honest wow, with yourself. Wow, for you. Yeah, and be transparent about it. The interesting thing is, I guess what I could understand coming out of this fraud stuff is like, the hard part when you keep it that way and then you realize that the people who aren't playing the game that way yeah. are getting ahead of you. Oh, for sure. Then you're like, wait, what's going on? It's yeah. like, why is it working like this? It's yeah. like other people yeah. are like, either they're creating the hype mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Like, they just better at the window dressing part of it. Yeah. But then they're winning too. Yeah. Shoot, Doesn't that like, hurt? Yeah. That hurts. But I think for me, it's like, there's no other way I could do it, going back to what you're saying about sleeping at night. It's well, just like, you have to be honest with yourself. Actually, so this ties back to this question of, does that make us worse founders? Because I think there is a correlation between being a really good visionary type fundraiser and, and like believing your own, your own vision. And sometimes yeah. that means like, your own vision or your own life. Your own lie. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> I think there is that element where like maybe the the charitable interpretation here is Charlie was like, this is the future. We're building the future of student loans. And it just so happens that I have this barrier in my way. I need to raise money or I yeah. need to sell and make and have the time to build this future. But in order to do that, I just need to do this one thing, generate whatever, 20 million fake emails. <laughs> and then that'll let me get there because I have such a belief that I shouldn't let this little silly thing get in my way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And honestly, the craziest part is probably like for every Charlie story, there's like a yeah. dozen who did that and then got and away. And got away. Yeah. yeah, totally. Which is like the scariest part. Totally. Yeah. So certainly at this stage, I cannot imagine it. I Can you imagine that party, the like the acquisition party? <laughs> right. So here she is, right? Charlie Jamis. <laughs> Like her family calls her, all her friends call her, congratulations, I know it's been a crazy ride, you deserve it, <laughs> oh right? Can you imagine yeah, that'd be... how you would feel? Uh... Oh, I feel so I just icky. Uh, yeah. Did she tell, did she have someone close to her that she told, or oh, did yeah. she keep it all on her own shoulders? The data scientist person definitely knew. I guess. She probably made him sign a bunch of paperwork. That's or... crazy though. <sighs> I'm just too weak. I can't, could not carry that kind of thing on my shoulders. Yeah. I would buckle instantly. <laughs> I would have to tell some. I don't think it makes us worse founders. I just think it makes you a certain type of founder. You may not be able to create the hype yeah. necessarily that a really good storyteller could. Yeah. But I wouldn't go as far to say great storytellers are always liars either. I think there's a good way to do it and yeah. keep it real, yeah. but not cross that line. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I think what she did was pretty, pretty messed up. I think yeah. she's deserves the jail time that's coming. Yeah. I think if there's a spectrum of integrity in founders, it sounds like you're you're quite far on the like high integrity side. I'm I'm if Charlie Javis is on the other side, I'm like somewhere on that spectrum. I have <laughs> look, I, I'm not proud to say it, but I have 
been in situation pitching situations where I, my adrenaline is high and someone asks a question and I know the right answer and I know it's mm -hmm. not quite exactly the answer that's fully true, but I just say the thing. And I, and I, no, I get that. I get that. I think yeah. you have, you don't want to just lay out every single weakness that you have. Like as soon as you're in one of those conversations, that's just how these things work. Yeah. You have to play the game to a certain extent. Yeah. But I, I hope, I think my take, you just, you don't want to lie about anything. Yeah. I think it's okay to put your best foot forward, but when you're just straight up lying, then I just feel like that's always going to come back to you. Give me the most charitable interpretation you could possibly imagine for Charlie Javis. Charlie Javis, great person. Yeah. Really just wanted to make a difference in the world. Give me that version, like the best, the best to the best of your ability. I just, I don't know how you get around the making the fake data. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So imagine this, right? I don't know exactly the state of her company, but maybe it was like on the rock. Maybe it was difficult. She had hired all these people. She loves her team. Yeah. And she was late in, in talks with JP Morgan. Yeah. She had the like strategy and vision level alignment. She like absolutely needs it to work. Everything's in place. Yeah. Oh, but there's one more thing. Yeah. One more thing we would like to just, oh, can we get access to, uh, to that user list? I just wonder if it's like, how could it have been iterative? There's gotta be some way it was, if it must've felt iterative at the time. And it was just, she was so close and she just, yeah. she just felt like, okay. But I feel like these things don't happen overnight either. I feel like it's probably <clears throat> a series of, yeah. know, of lying to yourself or something that kind of built. <sighs> Maybe it was that in the first call, they were like, how many users do you have? And she just choked and was like 25 million. <laughs> And then the rest of the conversation, she was like, this doesn't, this won't matter because they're not actually going to buy me. And then the conversation got more and more serious. And then she was like, shit, either I'm a liar yeah, or I just, just yeah. do the thing I said. And yeah. either way, I think there's going to be more and more stories like this coming out. There's yeah. the IRL founder guy yeah. and there's well, Sam, Sam Bankman free. There's, there's Sam Bankman free. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the Theranos girl. Yeah. I can't even remember her name. Yeah. My head. Whatever. Holmes. Oh yeah. Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. And I just feel, you know, now with the recession and everything, these things yeah. are like, everything's coming out. Yeah. It's going to be bad. I get it, but it's going to be bad. And I feel bad for these people. I, so you talked about them. You think they deserve the jail time. I get that sentiment, but at the same time, I just feel bad for her. I feel like she had some abusive childhood where she was told she wasn't good enough and mm. then she just needed to, this was her way of proving something to herself or someone. And I just, yeah, people should follow the law and people like this should go to jail, but I still feel bad. Good for you. You've seen the humanity of everybody. <laughs> Here's to our innovators. Not every experiment succeeds. Yeah. What do you think about, speaking of experiments, what do you think about BARD? I tried it. I tried to sign up okay. and was blocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just had immediate <laughs> legitimate sign up hurdles. So you haven't tried it? And I haven't, and I heard it was bad. So I was like, okay, that's all the information I need for now. And I moved on. <laughs> How's it been? I got on with my personal account. I don't think if you do your personal account, I think it, it'll work. Okay. Yeah. But uh, they just launched like coding. It's okay. interesting because I think Google has, they're in a kind of a tough spot. Yeah. They need to keep driving traffic to their for sure webs, webmasters yep and so this bard thing it shows you the links it tries to show you links from where it got the information yeah or it also has a link search this oh, topic yeah. with google yeah and i don't know it's i don't know how well that works <laughs> interesting yeah. yeah i mean they're gonna totally cannibalize there's no world in which this doesn't cannibalize we are we actually both run businesses that 
have a substantial part of our traffic coming from SEO. There's no world in which we're going to get the value that we're getting today if the user never has to go to our website. Yeah, which is scary to think about. Super scary, yeah. Yeah, especially because it was like trained on all these websites, or at least the AI stuff. Totally. And so we're just going to have, we're going to have been the suckers. We produced the work and we got nothing in return. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. That was a topic on my list too. AI race. It's, we both live in San Francisco. We're both in tech and, and, and startups. It has felt, I'm, for me, it has felt like the last month and a half has been this maelstorm of, of the future is here. What are you doing? This is crazy. Like everyone's trying to rush and beat each other to, to whatever. For us, it was AI accountants and it, there's just so much going on. Every, all of our investors were like, you guys need to be the AI for tax company. If you are not the AI for tax company, someone else will be like, get your shit in order. It just felt very intense. How's it felt for you? Yeah, it's been stuff, like stuff just happens every week. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm not even sure if I talk about this in my intro. I'm a co-founder at Kapwing. Yeah. We make a video editing website. So uh -huh. it's, I guess there's so much happening in the world of content generation even like video generation. And I think on one hand, it's interesting because it's still developing, it's still new. So it's like hard to know what exactly is gonna happen. And on the other hand, it's frightening because it's like, you need to rush to adopt this or figure out what to do about it. Yeah. Otherwise your competitors are gonna do it. Yeah. Or it could just automate away your entire company. Totally, you know? totally. So you never know what it's going to do in the future. So you're scared about that. Totally. I felt both of those things in equal parts, the fear and the excitement at different times. I felt fear and then at other times I felt excitement and it was just, I would have these, I would have investors of mine forwarding me monthly investor update emails from competitors of mine. Oh Jesus. That were just like saying that they're getting really into this AI thing. And he was like, yep, make sure you don't make sure that you beat them to the punch, like stuff oh, wow. like that. Yeah. It's kind of crazy though, because it's, it is a wave and there's stuff that's happening, but also I'm not an AI person yeah. myself. I'm not a researcher. Yeah. So I do feel a little bit at the whim of yeah. the AI overlords who are developing the actual technology. Totally. Cause really I think of ourselves as more just implementing it or yeah. trying to make it useful. Yeah. But yeah, who knows what will happen? Maybe the overlords will just build everything that we already have. <laughs> yeah, I certainly hope that's not the case. This wave is incredibly easy to use. I almost feel like it's the opposite problem where mm. you don't need any skills uh, <laughs> to yeah. use it. Yeah. My concern is more that we we spent five years building a bunch of deterministic rules-based software. Yeah. And someone else can now just rebuild this business way faster and catch up to where we are. Like our big moat is in some ways evaporating. Whereas, but we do, we will get to use the software, the yeah. technology, but it's, and that part is easy. It's just, but what? I think it's how you look at it, right? Cause like yeah. maybe you can still be the market leader of what you're yeah. doing and then yeah. you can use that to do what you're doing even faster. Yeah, that's true. I guess it's a race. Startups have always been a race between the startup is trying to get distribution before the big company gets innovation, gets products, right? Yeah. And I'm worried just how. Like this LLM thing is really easy to use. Yeah. So I think that even Intuit and H&R Block are going to figure it out <laughs> maybe before we can reach their scale of distribution. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? When, when the internet came around or whatever, it was like, you had to have skills. You had to understand packets yeah. and yeah. domains. And there's just no 
there's no barrier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that part is weird. Yeah. It's the same for video editing too. Like you could imagine like running your video and instead of using software to edit your video and controlling it, you just tell the AI what you want to happen into your video yeah. and it just does that. Yeah. Luckily, I feel like we're still a few years away from that though. And maybe we could be the editor to do that. Yeah. So I think it depends how you look at it. Totally. I, so my nascent opinion on this is that distribution is still king. Yeah. And that because of how easy it is to adopt, it's more about like you really, the fact that Kapwing has built up this massive, I don't know how many millions of users you guys have, but many millions of users and you've built trust and matters a lot more than being the first to have this particular version of LLM infused product. Because you could just see you know, if someone builds a thing that's cool, you can just build it. Yeah. You guys are capable of doing that. And then you'll have the distribution and the product. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't seem like one of those tech waves that's all that hard to like the whatever inner innovators, the chasm, what is it called? Crossing the chasm and the innovators dilemma doesn't seem that powerful on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you could add it to your product. I, yeah, exactly. I would much rather be someone who has the distribution right now than someone who has a couple of engineers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> distribution is just the hardest part about anything. anything yeah. And it's such a saturated market in almost every area. Yeah. It's hard to really get your message through. Yeah. Why don't we, so we did this really quick context at the beginning where okay. we just did, you're at a bar, introduce yourself at a bar. Yeah. So we did the super casual, like you're meeting Eric and he's a bud. And now let's do the Eric, introduce yourself <laughs> how you would at a conference, at a conference. <laughs> or, or at a professional event. Let's get the, let's get the, you can brag a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Just work-wise. So I'm a co-founder at Kipwing. We make a video editing software platform where you can create videos with your whole team. And our whole thing is to help you create more content in less time. Basically, we know that people want to make videos at the speed of light these days. You got to post it on TikTok, on Instagram, on YouTube. And so we want to have all the tools available for a creator to be able to do that across all the platforms. And yeah, prior to the startup, I was a PM at Google. And yet before that, I had I met Paul at Harvard. Nice. Still a very humble version of it. You can imagine a version where Eric talks about how his company has, what, 3 million users or something? How many users does Kipling have? The company has, I think we have, yeah. I think we have around 3 or 4 million monthlies. Oh, yeah, no big deal. So 3 or 4 make... million monthly active users, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's, but it's not at the scale of Google. It still very much feels like a startup. There's still a lot for us to figure out. But yeah. it's, it has been quite a journey to build the business from day one, yeah. from making our first product and tools to making our first YouTube videos to now growing it and focusing on marketing teams, yeah. growing out an enterprise type offering and just growing revenue over time. So yeah. I think there's been so much learning along that journey. Yeah. It's an interesting topic because I, so as I watch you do that more professional introduction, you didn't brag nearly as much as you could. And I just was just thinking about that as a phenomenon where I, I do the same thing where I really, I just like really hate <laughs> bragging or like that when other people do that. So I give this really low down version whenever I talk to anyone, I usually focus on stuff that's going wrong. I usually, I'll meet someone at a party and I'll be like, 
yeah, I'm the founder and CEO of a tax company. It's been tough. It's been, I'll go into this and then they'll walk away from that conversation and be like, oh, this is a, some struggling founder who has no idea what he's doing. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's what you took away? I thought I was being just authentic and likable. Interesting. <laughs> Do you ever get that? I think it's, I just feel like the opposite is so annoying to me. Like I've been to yeah. so many of these dinners where yeah. people just talk about yeah. their companies and who they know and yeah. how they're just crushing it and I don't know, that kind of thing just doesn't give me energy, yeah. I think, now that I've been in it for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I try to not, I don't like approaching it that way. Yeah. But I could see how you need to in some situations. I think there's some middle ground yeah. where you're like, yeah, we have, you know, it's been good. In many ways, we are two extremely successful Series A companies that, that have both are like, cash flow positive or getting close to it and whatever. And that's like a lot to be proud of. I like a lot of people would look at that and say, oh my God, you've, you made it. Yeah. <laughs> but it feels so far from that. It really does. It feels so far from that. Yeah. And so I know that just for myself, like I, if I do the super authentic version with everyone, where if I'm at a party and someone asks me what I do and I give them the super authentic version, it, it that actually drains me because I find myself like, like this doesn't person, this person doesn't need to know. I'm not like, they're not going to be my best friend. I don't need to, I don't need to open up my soul to them. Yeah. Like, that's not really the purpose of that question. They were just being polite. Yeah. So I've been working on a version of, yep, we're founder and CEO of a tax software company. It's been a hell of a ride. Okay. That's like literally it. it. That's it. I just end there because okay. they don't care. I'm just like, they don't, if they want to know more, they can ask me more. Yeah. Yeah. I but, think that's the way to do But a hell of a ride is like enough to both not get me down and force me to think about things. Yeah. But also is not saying that we're. It's not being boastful. It just says it's been a hell of a ride. That's all it is. Kapoing <laughs> has definitely been a hell of a ride. Too. Yeah, there you go. Hell of a ride. <laughs> I like it. Maybe I'll start using it. Yeah, it's been a hell of a ride. And, and then they can filter out. If they actually want to have a conversation, we can have a conversation. If yeah. they don't, that's fine too. Yeah. So, interesting. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. I think it's also a little different. You're the founder and CEO, and I'm not the CEO of Kapoing. And I think when you're the CEO you really do have to be that evangelist storyteller and really be selling like just to anyone. Like I think you gotta sell to investors, prospective customers, people that you may wanna recruit in the future. And that is like core part of your job. Yeah. Um, and luckily I'm more on the product and engineering side. Yeah. And I delegate a lot of that to my co-founder. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. It's exhausting. It's a constantly be selling and yeah. It's every day. It's every day, cause, yeah. Because you're selling it to your own team. Too. Right. So you have to, the only trick is just to, to have a thing you believe in that's both authentic and yeah. and motivational. That's startups, though. That's, you have to bring, you have to put in that energy to bring that thing in the world. Otherwise, yeah. it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs>